So is BioMom in another relationship now? I don't know. I'm pretty happy to say I don't know because it has no impact on my life. Girl, you are the nacho queen today. (laughs) I am so proud of you. I had to learn the hard way. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. (laughs) Dave, do you remember last week our guest, when we did the introduction, I said something about being child-free versus Mm -hmm. childless? I do remember. And you questioned the difference. I did. And I was like, I don't know. But ironically... On August the 1st, a few days after that was released, it was International Child-Free Day. So that's the one day of the year you can give up all your kids. No, no, no. Interestingly enough, it was created in 1973 Hmm. in the United States by the National Alliance for Optional Parenthood. (laughs) Optional Parenthood. There you go. Mm -hmm. How about that? There's actually a national organization for non-parents, too. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. So anyway. There are some days when I want to go into optional parenthood. <laughs> there are some days I want to go into optional adulthood. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> There's some days right, I want to so, go into optional <laughs> marriagehood. David, <laughs> we can make that happen. Optional marriagehood? Yeah. We tried that. When? <laughs> when? <laughs> it was called dating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one's a little long. Surprise. But it's really, really good. This lady is from Australia, so you know I love her accent. And she is in the Nacho Kids Academy, and she is kicking butt. She gets it. I am crowning her Nacho Queen. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Then what would that make me? I don't know. Maybe she's a... Nacho (laughs) Jester. No. Maybe she's a princess. Nacho Princess. (laughs) Nacho Princess. (laughs) But seriously... The things we talk about, I am so impressed with her throughout the interview because I'm like, oh my gosh, she gets it. She really gets it. And I'm so proud of her because she's come a long way. That's right. I do have to say, I guess a disclaimer a little bit, there is mention of mental health issues, including post-traumatic stress disorder and suicidal thoughts, just to throw that out there at you. Also... It's funny because in the Facebook groups and the Nacho Kids Academy and things like that, blended families or, or step families have their own dialogue. So bio mom is BM, stepdaughter is SD, husband is dear husband, DH. Bio son is BS. <laughs> Stepson is SS. I tell you this because... During our conversation, she refers to the stepdaughter as SD or by a mom as BM a few times. So just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, it is funny how people start taking on a different vernacular. I know a lot of people when they get in the groups and things, they're like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And why can't you just use the real word? Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's shorthand, basically. Yeah, everything becomes shorthand. Well, a lot of times people are typing messages on, you know, from their phone. And so anything they can do to shorten it up. Right. And I guess I'm so used to it that it doesn't phase me. When I read something, when I read BM, I know it's by a mom. Well, that's one cool thing about the Academy is 
when we have those um, acronyms like that, if you hover over the acronym, it'll tell you exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Right. It's very cool. Stepmom's husband was alienated from his kids by the bio mom. But in January of 2019, they got temporary custody. And in February of 2020, they got permanent custody of the stepkids. So here is a full-time childless stepmom that went from the kids not ever really being there to all of a sudden, bam, here they are. What you going to do? <laughs> she joined a Nacho Kids Academy. Smart lady here. Of course. A lot of the things she says about the Nacho Kids Academy, we should probably use as a promo for the Academy, David, because, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. A testimonial. Testimonial. Yeah. It, they're great. She's great. Nacho's great. Everybody's great. <laughs> David, great. what you got to say? Oh, well, it just it reminded me when you said about being great that, um, you know, we always ask for podcast reviews and we haven't done it in a long time, but people are still leaving reviews about the podcast. And I, and I read one the other day, which the title was Incredibly Grateful. <laughs> so uh, this is by Whit Miller Time. <laughs> uh, so if that's you, thank you. And um, he or she writes, I can't thank the Lord above enough for me finding this podcast. It's a huge blessing. It's so beneficial to hear from experts about blended families, but even more, it's meaningful to hear the experiences of people going through being a step-parent. I've never felt more seen or heard in my six years of being a stepmom. That's awesome. Girl, if you want to be a guest on our podcast, come on. Just reach out to me. You can feel really heard. Yep. And, uh, and we have another one by JSP Star 2016. So if that's you. Thank you. And uh, she says, a must must for stepmoms. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I know. And it also, uh, she writes, I've been a stepmom for five years. And this is by far the hardest and sometimes the loneliest thing I've ever done. So many of the stepmom groups online provide empathy, but don't offer strategies to improve a stepmom's day-to-day quality of life. Lori's story gave me hope that maybe there was a better way forward. I get something out of every episode. I'm so glad. Yep. I'm really glad. So the better way forward is to marry somebody like me. No. (laughs) But anyway, this is a good reminder to uh, go leave us some reviews. We we love reading these reviews. We do need to read more of them on the podcast. But, uh, you know, wherever you're listening, most time there's a place to review Apple Podcasts. There's a place to review. Go to our website. There's a lot of links there where you can leave a review. But it's it's your way of kind of giving back to us. If you enjoy the show, you enjoy the content, you know, just take a minute or or two, three, <laughs> and uh, just let us know. Let us know what you like and and that we're doing a great job in, in this helping because um, it it fuels the fire that burns within. <laughs> and I never really understood reviews other than people look at them and say, oh, I do want to listen to this or I don't. By you leaving a review, you are actually helping other stepmoms or stepdads that are struggling to find us and get help. So we thank you for filling out the reviews and helping us to help others. That's right. And now, speaking about helping people, you want to hear a word about the Academy? Sure. All right, cool. So we'll play this and then we'll get into our interview with the stepmom from Australia. To save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. 
In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Melissa. Hey, Melissa, how are you? Very good, Lori. How are you? Doing well. Well, tell us a little bit about your blend. It's not as simple as we've been blending for five years. No, it's not. It's a bit more complicated than that. So Hubby and I have been together for about six and a half years. We've been married for five. When I met Hubby, he had bio children who were about six and 14 at the time. They were living with BM and he had no contact or custody at the time. He went through quite a horrible court battle and we went from not seeing the children at all to having holidays with SD, who is now 12, and not having any contact with um, stepson, who is now 21, but he was 14, 15, 16 at the time, Mm -hmm. to him coming to live with us full time when he was 18 and to SD coming to live with us full time. So they're both have been living us with us full-time for the past two years, but Stepson21 has just joined the Air Force, so he's just left us. Oh, well, awesome that he joined the Air Force. Yes, it's been fantastic for him. He's doing really well. So when your husband went to court, they didn't give him full custody, but they did give him some visitation rights. So things are a little bit different in the court system here in Australia. So initially you have mediation. And if you can come to orders by consent, there's no need for you to go through a court hearing, Mm -hmm. but they are given assent by the court. So they went through that process in the beginning. He had school holidays. However, BM didn't abide by those orders. So although there were the orders in place, she just didn't send the children. So we didn't see them. To have that resolved, he then had to go to court and they instated or reinstated him having that contact, which he did. But it was only for SD at that stage because um, stepson was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And so we had contact with her of holidays. She came to visit. There was always drama associated with it. But we did have contact with her. And we only got contact with stepson, who was 18 at the time, once he was thrown out of BM's house. And that's when he came to live with us a little bit later. And then... Out of that came a whole lot of information that my husband then took to court, which led to the change in custody arrangements for SD. Okay. Do the court systems in Australia, do they punish or reprimand the parent that is alienating the children from the other parent? Like, did they punish her in any way? Not not at all. And there are a couple of things that were taken into consideration as well. Um BM has a very high-profile job, so she was given benefit of the doubt in the beginning because of the trust that goes with her job. And the children and BM are also First Nations people. There's consideration given to cultural aspects around that as well by the court. So it took quite a long time for the court to to actually see the real picture of what was going on. And it was actually BM's behaviour in the court in the end that the judge began to see what the issue was. But there were a lot of non-conformances with the orders that DH had to keep 
taking back and taking back to court until they could actually establish a pattern of behaviour that they actually started to do something about it. So it was a very long and laborious process. He fought for himself. He didn't have an attorney, right? No, he did it all himself. So he put in all the hard yards of he did all the paperwork. He went to court. He showed up every time himself. He he fought really hard for his kids. I supported him um, with some of the paperwork, etc. but it was very much me supporting and helping him. It wasn't driven by me. Right. That is impressive. That is very impressive. He's very impressive. And that was one of the things that I love about him. I always knew that he was committed to his kids. He wasn't going to be one of those dads who gave up or walked away. Right. Now, you said that Baya mom, I guess, started showing her true colors in the courtroom. Yes, it was quite interesting. In the middle of one proceeding, she corrected the judge and asked the judge to call her by her honorary title. <laughs> it was quite, yes, I, I've never, the judge was very composed and I, you know, she was always really um, composed and very balanced, but the look on her face, I at that time she was not able to control herself. But she, at one stage she, she'd stopped proceedings and said to BM have, because she was, she'd been given the opportunity to speak and because of her role, she speaks very eloquently, but then sometimes I believe she has mental health issues. Sometimes that becomes very evident as well. And we were mm-hmm. in one set of proceedings where the judge just said, look, stop. Have you had legal counsel? And she said, no. And she said, look, we're going to stop these proceedings. You need to go and get some legal counsel. And after that, she ordered um, some drug testing and some mental health assessment as well. You can only hide ugly for so long. That's correct. And I think a lot of people, well, BM did this and she went through, I think, three or four sets of lawyers when she wasn't happy to speak for herself. She wouldn't say things herself. So, And at one stage, the judge referred to BM as, or to her lawyers as, um, your client is like a recalcitrant child. That didn't bode well. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Not at all, I'm sure. You don't have any kids of your own. No. And that's sort of been interesting. I've I'm already in my late 40s and I was very much enjoying my single life and I was at a stage where I was quite happy to continue with that. I had always wanted children but not at any cost. I wasn't willing to have children with the wrong man or not in the right circumstances or have them on my own. Mm -hmm. And when I met my hubby, he'd already been parenting for 20 plus years because he had two stepchildren from his first marriage as well as his bio kids and we sort of knew what was happening with the court and everything that was going to happen so we made a joint decision together that we would not have a child together and ours child um sometimes that I have it still hurts about that I think is um, but I it's definitely, and especially in hindsight and everything we went through, it was definitely the best decision. But I would have liked to have had a child of my own. But also now we have a fur baby and I see how he is with the fur baby and I think it's probably a good idea that we did. But it also means that when SD graduates and she's ready to move on to university, that we'll actually have some time to ourselves. So there's a lot of good things to look forward to. Yes. And... Stepson has promised me lots of grandbabies. <laughs> well, you know, I've got four stepsons. Yes. And one of them, it wouldn't surprise me if he had five kids. One of them said he wants two. 
And one of them said that if his girlfriend gets pregnant, that they'll put it up for adoption <laughs> because they don't want kids. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really good point is when we think about kids and about the way kids are parented and their experiences from the blend is that every kid needs to be, whether they're in a nuclear family or a blended family, every kid, like every person who's at work, you need to be managed or treated differently for who you are as an individual. You can't do things treating everyone the same, although it's fair. It doesn't work for everybody. And Mm -hmm. what the example you've just given shows you that everyone's experience of your blend has a different outcome. Right. And I remember my son, he... Golly, he might have been nine or so, and he's always heard his dad complain about child support. And somebody asked him, I think it was one of the brothers, asked him one day, said, how many kids do you want? And he said, none. I don't want to pay child support. (laughs) I had to explain to him that as long as you're still together with the person, you don't have to pay child support. Well, Well, you do. It's just supporting the child. It's not a separate payment. Right. It's different, though, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Child support's always an interesting, particularly I see that in the Facebook groups, it's always a polarising um, a polarizing subject. And for us, Hubby and I, we combine our finances mm-hmm. and, one, and BM is supposed to pay child support, but she doesn't. And one of the things I learned from the academy was about, you know, changing my thinking. And one of the things that I really hated about all of this was I felt that BM was controlling our lives Mm -hmm. and I made the decision that I didn't want her not paying child support to be able to influence our lives. So I am more than happy to financially support my stepkids knowing that one day that child support will get paid, but I don't want her to have that control, that financial control over our lives. And I think the thing I also know is that my husband will never allow me to go without. Right. Um, so I know that if we came to a stage where we couldn't pay for something, he would go without something for himself so that myself or the kids had something rather than, you know, me missing out. So I think that makes what why it works for us. Right. So your husband, you said, has other kids as well. Yes. And how old are they? He has a stepdaughter who's 30 and a stepson who's 32. So he, in his first marriage, they tried, you know, love them like your own. And he did bring them up as his own, but he had the same conundrum of love them like your own, pay for them, support them, but wasn't allowed to discipline them like his own. He had all, he had all the responsibility, but none of the actual control or influence. Mm-hmm. However, he does have a good relationship still with those stepkids There was a period of time when he first split up with BM that those children were told, they're not children, they're adults now, were told that, you know, he didn't want anything to do with them, which wasn't correct. It was once they actually had a falling out with BM that they actually come back to hubby and they have a cordial relationship. It also really helped me understand that Although he raised those kids and they had no, their father wasn't in the picture and we now know that that wasn't necessarily by his choice and the kids have contact with their dad now. But what I see is he loved those kids, he brought them up, but the love he has for those kids is not the same as it is for his biological children. Right. And because he he understands that, he knows that although I love his kids, 
the feeling is not the same and can never be the same as it is for having biological children. And that's so important that he understands that. It's Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And he embraces that I provide a positive female role model, but he doesn't expect me to replace their mother mm-hmm. now. So stepson doesn't have um, his mother in his life, but uh, stepdaughter does, although she doesn't see her as regularly as she would probably like, and that's BM's choice. Um, she does have contact with her pretty much every day. So their situations are very different. And I think in the beginning, hubby would have liked me to be a replacement mother. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because he felt that BM wasn't a great mother and he thought that I could actually provide something better. However, what we did find is over the time that the more I tried to do things with stepdaughter and the more positive things I did with her, the more negative we got back from BM because she felt very threatened that she was going to be usurped in her position. Mm -hmm. So that's where Nacho helped. It didn't threaten her. I was able to do my, and I'm still now have a much better relationship with SD. Um, I can provide her support, but I'm not trying to replace her mum. Right. And that's so important because you can be an awesome role model and mentor for these kids and not play parent to them. Exactly. And it's a, it's very entertaining to watch your DH actually watch their parenting style with just standing back. The interesting thing that happens this week, um, we have a beautiful little cabin that we live in in the rainforest and it has a separate little cabin that's about 10 metres away from the house and it's self-contained. And that's where stepson was living before he went off to the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And we, we pictured that one day that as she got a little bit older into the teenage years, that stepdaughter would like to move out there. She's a little bit scared of spiders in the dark and things. We didn't think she'd be quite ready. Y'all have big spiders there, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like the size of your hand spiders. Yes, but they're they're harmless. Mm. Yes. We have to have have those things so everybody doesn't want to come and live in the rainforest. Um, That's true. And big snakes. And big snakes too. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she decided to move in there over the weekend and DH was, yeah, like, sure, off you go. And so she moved in. But what she didn't realise is that with that autonomy and a little bit more freedom came a lot more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And it's been very interesting to watch that evolve this week. So it's kind of like a guest house, right? Yeah. And so she moved into the guest house, you know, because she's thinking, oh, this is going to be wonderful. Yes, because Happy's love language is service. He is, he, and it was one of the things that used to frustrate me, but it's also the thing that I love about him is that he does everything for everyone. He still does, even before um, stepson left, he does the washing. He'll, you know, he brings me breakfast in bed. He makes the kids' lunches. That's what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. So all of, you know, she was used to having all of those things done. He'd go into a unit room and get a uniform and wash it for school etc but now that she's over there she's expected he'll still do the washing but he expects her to bring it over if she doesn't bring it over it doesn't get washed right she has to wake it wake herself up so she's got the autonomy but she's also got the responsibility as well he's very much about natural consequences it's been very entertaining to watch that is so good. I wish we all could have a guest house for our kid to go live in. 
to see that responsibility. <laughs> well, it is. And it's also kind of like it's supported adulting or transition to adulting. Right. Yeah, it's different than just throwing them out into the wild. <laughs> and also because stepdaughters is hubby's last last child. It's his it's his baby, it's his little girl. He'll mm-hmm. want her to be he'll want her to be around as much for as much and as long as possible. And he does have um guilty parent syndrome because he feels very guilty about leaving the children when he left. And he he said it was the hardest decision he made to leave. But he left because he was subject to both physical and psychological domestic violence. So he put up with that for a really long time and he stayed because of the kids. But he left when he was at a point because he thought that if he stayed that he would die. So he thought he'd rather he was willing to not have a relationship with the kids possibly until they were 18. At least he would be alive to actually see them when when they were 18. So even though he had no choice, he still feels very guilty for that period that he didn't see the children and he also feels guilty about the things that happened to the children while he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So he wants to spend all the time that he can. He wants it to be positive. And I think with stepdaughter for a while there before we had full custody, I think he was very concerned that she would want to go and live with BM and I think she did for a long time, not so much because she loved her more but she was quite a parentified child and she wanted to actually be there to look after her mother rather than, you know, going there because she wanted to be looked after. Right. Now, you said that he was abused by by a mom. Yes. Abused by a woman towards a man does exist even though it's not discussed as much. Correct. And it's much more common than people probably think. However, it is much more stigmatized and it is men men are really ashamed to talk about it. And particularly well, yeah. in yeah. Particularly in Hubby's case, he's, you know, six foot three and BM's nowhere sort of near that thing. But like in exactly the same as domestic abuse in women, the psychological damage and the isolation and separating you from your family and friends, all of that happens before the first time they actually hit you. Mm -hmm. So you have no support network, you have nothing left, and so by the time that they do actually start physically abusing you, there is nowhere for you to go. And unfortunately... BM knew how committed that hubby was to the kids and he she knew that he would stay to look after them no matter what. Mm-hmm. Did the kids witness this abuse? Uh, the the older two stepkids did and the, the stepson did, but a lot of it was covert and it would happen after the children were in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she didn't want them to see her act that way. Exactly. And on the day that he he left, she um she was had stabbed him with, with a pen. Now you don't think of a pen as being much of a we- weapon, though I Oh, you worked, can kill somebody with a pen. Yeah. Well I worked in um a prison for a while and I saw another inmate nearly take out another inmate's eye with a pen. Mm. But I saw the I saw the pictures that were after and he was black and blue from 
shoulder to groin just from these pen stab marks like bruising and there was blood and yeah and he he had committed himself to a mental facility because he believed that he was the problem because she kept telling him that and and that's where it's you know all the things that we we hear about is you know the gaslighting the all the different forms of psychological abuse and actually by checking himself in they worked out that he actually wasn't the problem and he, the psychiatrist actually told him, if you stay, she will either, she will kill you, you will kill yourself, or you'll be dead from stress by the time you're 50. And when she was stabbing him, he heard, could hear the psychiatrist in his head and he said, I need to go. Yeah. I'm glad he left. So am I. And one of the amazing things that about Hubby is he can look at back at that and think you know for everything that he went through that if that didn't happen he wouldn't have left and then we would never have met and all the things that have happened since then yes would never have happened mm-hmm. yeah. and, it, and it and it has contributed to the person that he is right yeah. now was she abusive to the kids um not when they were younger but she did become abusive to stepson as he became a teenager so she did have um, a number of partners after hubby who there was a lot of abuse there and she does have a pattern of behaviour. So my hubby is a veteran, so he was Air Force as well and she's had her previous partner was military and she's had subsequent partners that were military as well. Her partner after Hubby had just come back from Afghanistan and he was suffering from PTSD. He wasn't in a good state. He lost access to his kids because of her. And oh, my gosh. She, he, he ended up at a point where he was suicidal. He was um, a dog handler and Australian biosecurity rules meant that he couldn't actually bring his service dog back to Australia. So what they do is they cremate the dog and they give him the ashes and um, she, he, one day they were having an argument and she flushed his service dog's ashes down the toilet. Oh, my goodness. And he was so, he was so broken that he, I don't know how he didn't snap. And, but the thing about Hubby was that he never retaliated and this is actually something that worked out in court and it was the best advice that Hubby got to do with everything in court was he was given advice that everything that you write to BM, write it like it's going to be seen by the court. Yes. Which he did. He, he only ever focused on the children and if it wasn't about the kids, he didn't reply. Because she, she, she sent thousands and thousands of emails. She tried to contact me at work and buy the most amazing things you could never expect, like Pinterest and Etsy, and because I was a support network for him, and she had to obviously destroy that support network. Mm-hmm. But when he went to court, it was really obvious that there was the, she had nothing on him because he only everything he had was very much focused on the kids, but he had my you know mounds and mounds of evidence. And all her subsequent partnerships have all ended in police intervention or there's been, you know, police domestic violence because they've it's been a two-way 
two-way altercations. Mm -hmm. So that was also supported. All those police records were brought up in the court as well, whereas hubby had nothing from his side. Man, she's a charm. Oh, she's wonderful. I've never... It's funny, I, I have I have moved, I really, for a woman that I've never actually met as such, I really despised her and not so much for her as a person but for the damage I could see that she was doing to the people that I love. Right. And, and how I actually found Nacho Kids was there was one holidays where stepdaughter had come to stay with us for Christmas holidays. We get a long Christmas break here, six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we went and picked up SD. We brought her home. And once we, she'd been with us a couple of days, BM sent um, a message saying that we'd have to, instead of dropping her back home, we'd have to drop her to a place that was seven hours further to drive. Oh my goodness. So, (laughs) and she thought that was reasonable. Yeah. Anyway, um, and because she knew that DH would do anything to see his kids. So every hoop that she put, he would jump through it because he wanted to see his kids. And so when he actually went back and said, no, I'm not doing that, she totally lost it. And she rang Esty and told her that she has to come home in two days because her father won't drive her back all this additional and all this additional way and she used to tell us or she in the emails and stuff she'd write to DH she'd she'd tell him that you know all these things that she'd tell horrible things about us that she'd tell the kids and I just assumed that she was just saying it to her hubby because I couldn't conceive how any mother would say things like that that would hurt the children but when that event happened, it made me realise she was actually saying those things to the kids. She didn't care about if what she did hurt the kids. Mm-hmm. And to me as a woman, that just blew my mind. I just could not, how would you hurt, how would you do something that would hurt your own kids? And as someone who wanted to be a mother, and I actually felt a lot of resentment, here's this woman who has these kids that she's, you know, horrible to, and I would have been a good mum and I don't get to, and I actually am really nice to these kids, that I didn't get that opportunity. And that's why I was like, I need some support around this. Who who understands what this is like? Because none of my friends knew anything about a situation like this. So that's when I found Nacho Kids. And, and just in the same way that the counsellor saying to you, these are not your kids, <laughs> it, res- it resonated with me as well because they're not. Mm-hmm. And no matter, no matter what, how much I love them or how much I want to do them, they're not my kids. And I, I can give DH advice, which he often takes or he'll ask me, but at the end of the day, he makes the decisions. Right. Because they're his kids. Exactly. But the best thing I did was joining the academy. Because although I'd started the, that nacho concept, it was when I joined the academy and I realised that I could actually do things to change me that would help the blend. Yes. Like changing my stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's about reframing things. And like I talked about before, about reframing BM having the control by withholding child support. I can actually change that. I have the ability to change that. And it makes me happy. Yes. And... It's empowering. Definitely. When you stop letting other people control your emotions. Exactly. 
I remember being young and making the comment that somebody made me mad. And someone said, you allowed them to make you mad. I'm like, no, they really made me mad. (laughs) And they're like, but you had to allow them to make you mad. And I remember, I mean, I was too young to grasp that concept. But over the years, I really thought about it. And I remember something happened one day and I'm, wait a minute, I have a choice. I can let them make me mad or I can not let them make me mad. And it's so freeing. It is. That you realise you you do have control. It's the ultimate control, being able to walk away or not engage. And I'll, I'll admit, I was definitely one of those wives that, you know, you have flight, fight or freeze. I've always been a fighter. I'll fight for everything. <laughs> <laughs> However, obviously, after uh, hubby and BM together were together for 24 years, so he knew her pretty well, mm-hmm. and he knew that she was looking for a fight. She loved to have a fight, so he knew that the best thing to do was to grey rock her, mm-hmm. and which is exactly what he did. Whereas when she'd send all these horrible emails, I'd be like, "We need to send one back. We need to, you know, you can't let her do that." And thankfully, he didn't. However, on one day, he had a weakness when she was demanding to know whether we were married or not, etc. After she. Um, stop the kids being able to come to our wedding and he did reply not like I would have replied if I had been (laughs) given the opportunity but um, he he replied in a way that he probably probably would have and it had the reaction that she'd been hoping for she wanted Mm -hmm. the opportunity so it made me realize he knew how to handle her and he was actually doing the right thing and I needed to leave him to it and right because we are really close, he would always tell me when, you know, she'd send an email, et cetera. But I realised that, and we hadn't had, we haven't had any, any contact with her recently because through the court, she's not allowed to contact me. She's, there's a whole heap of rules around that. And then I have to use a parenting app, Mm -hmm. which she advocated for in the beginning. And now that she's got it, she doesn't like it because she's actually held accountable for what she says. Right. So, Recently, there was a message and it was about SD being unwell. She just had a cold and she was demanding that, you know, she, he do all of these things and he told me about it and I, he was upset and it got me instantly upset as well. And then I thought, hold on a second, I've allowed that. So I said to him, please don't tell me if she contacts you unless you need my advice or support, mm-hmm. then come at, or it's something you can't handle. Let me know then. But other than that, I don't want to know. And it's really good. It is. It is. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, it's funny, though, because a lot of stepmoms, and I was like this in the beginning of, I want to know. Yes. I, w- I want to know what she says. But like you said, they know how to handle this person better than we do. And just because your husband chose to use the gray rock method on her, did not mean he was weak. No, not at all. And I'm a lot like you, and I think most of the people that need to nacho or that are in the Nacho Kids Academy are type A personalities. Yes. Where we're like, oh, no, you're going to reply to that email, and you're going to address every single thing that <laughs> she said, and you're just going to light into her butt. But they know it's no use. Correct. They've tried that. Mm-hmm. And I think we've heard David say it before that sometimes okay 
is the most powerful word that you can reply because it's a, it's a shutdown. You've replied, but mm-hmm. it do, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I think, however, for for as it was for you and as it has been for me, you don't you need time to get there. You have to. It's hard to nacho, and it's particularly hard to nacho BM. And I had a really unfortunate, regrettable moment. So one day we were. We had to do a hand, we had to travel hut. So BM moves around a lot and she'd moved to a different state. So we had to do, we'd agreed to do a midway handover, which was about a four-hour drive. And the previous handover we had done, she was a day and eight hours late. So it causes a lot of angst for stepdaughter because she doesn't know if mum was coming to get it back or, and there was just no communication. It was quite it's quite distressing to have to support a child through that because she'd abandoned SD before. There were a lot of times when she'd drop her off at childcare and not pick her up. So she had, stepdaughter has some abandonment issues around mum. So it's really anxiety and, and brings up a lot of fear for her when mum doesn't turn up. So mm-hmm. in this particular time, BM had sent um, a cat as well, which didn't go down well either. I nachoed that cat very well. After getting some advice from the page, I nachoed the cat. And because <laughs> we have our own cat, we have our own pets. And I, f- I really feel sorry for that poor cat. Anyway, on this particular day, she she turned up and she was several hours late for the handover. And we'd, you know, been walking stepdaughter around town and trying to keep her busy to distract her from, you know, knowing where the money and it was really distressing and usually I don't do handovers and handovers now either happen via plane we're not in the same state or they happen at a supervised place Mm. and I went to after this I just didn't attend at all so I was taking I had to carry the cat because there was a whole heap of other baggage as well and as I took the cat around to BM's partner at the time, I asked him, oh, you know, why why are you late? Because he was actually a pretty decent guy and he was not expecting to be asked that question and he came up with the same excuse that they'd used last time was that there'd been a car accident that they'd had to respond to, that BM had to, you know, facilitate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. Every time that you drive, that, um, you know, there's these accidents that you have to attend to and you can't communicate that. Anyway, that sent, even though I wasn't speaking to her, we were on opposite sides of the car, that, of course, sent BM off her rocker mm-hmm. and she started screaming at me, well, I'm a doctor and I need to do this and I need to do that and, you know, I'm very important and I have these obligations. I made the mistake of replying to her and I told her, using some not very nice terms that she wasn't a very, she may be a doctor, but she's not a very good mother. Mm-hmm. Well, that that was not good. She physically attacked me then. And I must say I was, it took all of my willpower to not fight back, but we walked away and we went and reported it to the police. But it, it then, um, it showed a pattern of behaviour from her. But unfortunately, that happened in front of stepdaughter and that no child has to see that. So I have a lot of regret around that and I wish I had have shut my mouth. So she physically attacked you? Yes. 
Wow. I'm sure that looked good in court. Oh, yes. And then when we reported to the, to the police, he wouldn't attend the police. And But in the typical um, abuser kind of way, she she turned it around and was like, oh, that I was a disgusting person and how dare I speak like this in front of um, stepdaughter and the stepdaughter wants nothing to do with me and that, you know, that hubby could only have supervised visits, et cetera. But what she didn't know is that we'd actually made a police report. So it was, you know, her emails of her version of the story compared to an actual police report and she, the police contacted her and she wouldn't come in and make a statement because then it would be official. So it did work in our favour in the end, but it's not certainly what I, something I didn't want for stepdaughter and something I really regret. Right. What did stepdaughter say after all that happened? Um, she actually didn't say anything, but the funniest part was she was screaming at, BM was screaming at hubby, I'll see you in court, you know, because she was always threatening to take us back to court. However, we actually had a court date that week that she didn't turn up to and the the judge actually had to threaten her with arrest to actually come to the next court. So it didn't bode well for her overall. Wow. I suppose stepdaughter, she has loyalty binds. And I think she she's really struggled with that because she loves her mum dearly, as all kids should. And she she loves me. But and we shouldn't have set her up where it was an either or situation. And I think with Nacho, we've been able to move to a place where she can love her mum as much as she wants, as she should, can have as much contact with her. And I am just another female role model in her life. We're not in competition. Yeah. And it actually it actually helps our relationship. And it's actually, particularly now that DH is, you know, making her have that little bit of responsibility and as she's entering, entering the teenage years, the target's on hubby's back. It's not on mine. Right. Exactly. Because he's the parent. And... The difference is, though, she will always love him because that's her dad, so he can do that, whereas if I did the parenting, we don't have that bond because I'm not her mum. Exactly. So your relationship with his oldest stepkids, his stepkids, right? Yes. They were bio mom's kids, and then he basically, like you said, did everything for them except discipline them. Yes. Do you have a relationship with them as well? I do. We're cordial. We'd say we're 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 acquaintances. They've they've never been horrible to me. They've always been nice to me. They include me if we go out for dinner. Obviously, they um, we encourage them to see see their half brothers and sisters. We want them all to have a good relationship. And stepdaughter has we've offered her a lot of hubby stepdaughter her a lot of support because she has had she had a horrible breakup with her mother she her mother did some horrible things to her that you would never do to your own daughter and I think this was some of hubby's fear about what would happen to stepdaughter 12 if she was to live with her mother through her teenage years that she would be subject to this kind of behavior as well and she gave me a really nice Christmas card and gift and she said Thank you so much for making my dad smile again because she always called him dad because she was, I think, 18 months old when he came into the picture. And I think that's also a difference is he came into the picture for them when they were babies. They don't remember their dad at all, where obviously my stepkids were older when I came into the picture. So we have we have a cordial relationship, but... We're never going to be friends. I don't think we'll. We've had um, birthday parties and etc. together, but 
you know, we're not best friends and we're not all hanging out together, but it's certainly cordial and that's what I'd hope for. Yes, that's good. What's the relationship like with the older stepkids and the younger stepkids? Because there's a pretty good age difference there. It is. So there's over 20 years between them and um, stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. So they were a lot closer when they lived with BM. They still have contact, but it's not quite the same. And I think, again, it's loyalty binds for stepdaughter. She, all the other children have aligned with dad and she's the only one that's aligned with mum for want of a a better explanation. So I think she feels that she's often caught in the middle and by a mum often tries to get stepdaughter to act as the in-between person between her and trying to get back in contact with the other children. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts her in the middle. So I think that strained their sibling relationship. But I think as stepdaughter gets older, that that will repair itself as she starts to have a better understanding of what goes on as well. Because in, so we have um, in the Australian court system, in cases like ours, we have independent children's lawyer who represents the interest of the child. So it's kind of like, I think it's the, um, oh, what's it, the ad litem or the... Um, Guardian ad litem. Yes, yeah, similar kind of thing who, particularly where there's cases of abuse, the child may not always know what's best for them. So the independent children's lawyer represents them. There's a lot of family reports and psychologist reports. And the thing that SD, when she was asked why the other kids don't have a relationship with mum and she, her interpretation was, well, they, they asked for too much, that they asked for too much from mum. So she's very mindful of that in her relationship with mum that she doesn't want to ask too much. Mm-hmm. So it, it's quite sad. Do you think that, or why do you think that stepson and bio mom don't have a relationship at all? So stepson's personality is a lot like hubby's. He's a very soft, gentle person, but she had done some really horrible things to him when he became a teenager and he was living with her. So she had, she was giving him dexamphetamine so it's like um medical grade amphetamine Mm -hmm. so he had developed um she was she had told him that he had adhd and was required to take this medicine so he did however he didn't need that medicine so instead of having the calming effect that it would if you have adhd it has the same kind of effect as amphetamine so that then altered his personality and his ability to be able to operate in the world And then she took that, she stopped that cold turkey. So he then had withdrawal symptoms and it really messed with his physical and mental health. And what we now realise, she was trying to set him up as, you know, being the bad person in this scenario because when things were happening and police were called with her previous relationship, they'd want to be asking stepson, you know, what was happening and she didn't want him telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to set him up as, you know, a drug addict or whatever, and it was certainly not the case. And she started, once she broke up with that partner, stepson was responsible for looking after stepdaughter while while BM was at work. And so he had a, a lot of responsibility. And as all teenagers do, he got a girlfriend and wanted to spend time with her. So that didn't suit 
BM because it interrupted her schedule. So that caused a lot of friction in their relationship and to a point where he, she physically assaulted him and he left and he ran away from home and he hasn't actually been back or had contact with her since. But there was probably an opportunity for them to repair that relationship. So he that's when we got in contact with stepson again after not being able to have any contact with him because she had him, I suppose, isolated as well, certainly from from hubby because he if he was given the opportunity he probably would have come and chosen to live with with us mm-hmm. so and that's actually when I that was when we also got contact with hubby's eldest stepdaughter because I got a messenger post that said hi you don't know me I'm the stepkids sister the stepkids are in trouble can you please get hubby to contact me so that's sort of how we found out and then once we had contact with hubby's stepdaughter and we got contact with stepson we found out all of this stuff that was happening and that's then played out in court but subsequently um, stepson was in his final year of high school and they were living about four hours away from us and he wanted to finish his high school rather than come to live with us at that time so we supported him. We had him set up with um, a friend's mother who has very kindly allowed him to stay and we paid his board, et cetera, and he continued to go to school. But he was so traumatised by what had happened. He got to a point where he was suicidal and was hospitalised and diagnosed with PTSD. And at that point, Hubby said, you know what, too bad about school. Don't worry about school. We need to keep you alive and we brought him to come and live with us and he was not in a good way he was mentally not in a good place he was physically not in a good place he was emaciated he was like he's quite tall he's over six foot but he was he was tiny and thankfully unlike you Laurie I love to cook and I thought teenage boys here's an opportunity for me to bond I'll feed him mm-hmm. and fe- feed him I did but at that stage I also already knew about nacho. So I wasn't trying to be his mum. I was just someone who was taking care, you know, assisting in taking care of the house. And hubby dedicated a lot of time to getting him well. And stepson did a lot of work on his mental health. And it took a good three years to get him into the good place that he is now. And the outcome for that for our relationship is that he and I have a really good relationship because He knows that I've been there to support him. He really understands that I didn't have any obligation to do that, that that was my choice. Mm -hmm. And subsequently in court, BM has accused stepson of being a drug addict and that he's physically harming stepdaughter and a whole heap of things that just aren't true and were proven not to be true. So that has really damaged any opportunity for stepson to reunite with with his mum but I have and he and I have chatted a lot and I said to him that don't write off having a relationship with her forever I said you may come to a stage where you need to have a relationship with her for you but set boundaries but don't write it off don't write her off forever because one day you may need that and I think he appreciates that he knows that no one well both the kids know we'd never stop them trying to have a relationship with anyone because that's what they need. Mm-hmm. 
So, and he he's the, even though I'm not a mum to him, he's the kid that rings me and wishes me a happy Mother's Day, et cetera. And, it's, and it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. But then I realise that he has no... He has no framework to go, well, the role that I am in his life. So he sees that it's a maternal and a caring role. So for him, it's kind of in the mother bucket. But he certainly doesn't see me in the same way that he sees his biological mother. But he sees he it's his way of showing that we have a good relationship and that we care for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did the kids ever come to you, the stepkids, and complain about their mom? Um stepson does because he's very very hurt but stepdaughter doesn't she doesn't talk about her mum at all mm-hmm. and I think that's because at mum's house she's not allowed to talk about dad at all however we it's not a taboo subject in her house if she wants to talk about mum she can she chooses not to and there'll often be discussions about things that have happened in the past when the nuclear family was together and it is, it's just part of their past. It doesn't matter who was in it. It's just, it's just a, re- a reality. And, I, and that's, as I said, there's a lot of li- loyalty bonds there with um, stepdaughter. And, by, and I think she is very conscious that she doesn't want to be the one responsible for getting by a mum in trouble. Right. Yes. And that's normal. Yeah, exactly. Now, when stepson says stuff about by a mom, what is your response? I suppose it's it's a little bit different because he he knows the truth, and so we and he's an adult, so we speak to him as an adult. But as I've said, we don't discourage him having a relationship with his mum, but and we certainly don't encourage him to do. But I think it's a very different relationship. He doesn't, I suppose, his if he doesn't really talk that much about her anymore other than about the past and about things that may have happened in the past. He doesn't talk about her in the present context Mm -hmm. because they don't have a relationship. Right. And that's got to hurt him still. It it does. It it hurts him very deeply. Yeah. I hate that for him. So so do I. And and I think that's why I say to him, you know, don't discount having a relationship with her in the future, because I can see he needs that. Both the kids need that. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad that they don't get what they need from that relationship with her. And I think, and that's, I think, what Hubby wanted for the kids. He wanted them to have a good relationship with their mum and he saw that perhaps they weren't getting that and that's where I think he hoped that they could get that from me. But then he realised that that wasn't appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because no matter how, how good a stepmom I possibly am, I can never replace their mum, no matter how terrible she is, because that's their mum. Exactly. And we've talked to several people that the mom is just absent or horrible. And it does not change the fact that this person is the mother of these kids and they will love her unconditionally. That's correct. And if you're the person who is saying the bad things about that person, the loyalty bonds get stronger and you actually become the enemy. Right. And I think that's the beauty of Nacho. It takes You take the target off your back. Yes, because you don't want to do anything to make the relationship worse because if your relationship with your stepkids gets worse, your relationship with your significant other is going to get worse. Correct. And I think one of the good pieces of advice I think we got from you, Laurie, in one of the the coaching sessions 
was that SD's old enough to know now that if if she doesn't go to mum's for holidays, it's not because of anything that we haven't stopped her from going, mm-hmm. that it's it's because mum hasn't made the necessary arrangements. So what hubby's done is he's given um, stepdaughter the schedule for visitation for holidays. He's given her the plane tickets. We've booked them in advance. So we do, we bring stepdaughter home and BM has to pay the flight to take her to there. And on some cases that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So, but, so DH has said to stepdaughter, look, here's your tickets. Here's the dates. It's now between you and mum whenever that happens and or ha- how that happens. That's between you guys. We've done everything to support it. But at the end of the day, it's up to Biomum to make it happen. And how far away does Biomum live? Um, at the moment, she's about a three-hour flight away. Oh, so that's a good ways. Yes, it's a good way. And one of, one of the reasons that – so when Hubby left, he needed to get a lot of physical distance away from her because he was obviously concerned about his physical welfare. So he moved to where we are in far north Queensland, so probably a 24-hour drive from where they were living before. Mm-hmm. However, and that's where we met. However, that contributed to him not being able to see the kids. So we moved to a state that was closer to where the kids were living but not close enough that she could turn up on our doorstep but close enough that we could drive to pick them up. And with the change in custody, she decided to move away from where we were living at the time, which actually allowed us to, because she wanted that put in the orders that she could move wherever she liked, Mm -hmm. it also meant that we could move wherever we liked. So that allowed us to move back to where we were living and back to the rainforest. Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. I guess stepdaughter goes to see her on school breaks and things like that. Yes. When it's right. There's, she's also, she can have weekend visits with her during the school term, but my mum has never taken up that opportunity. Well, that's kind of hard to do being, well, I guess she could fly in on a Friday and fly out on a Sunday. I mean, if it was my kid, I would. Yeah. And that's, that's how it's set up. And she initiated these orders. So it's what she wanted. Well, that's what she wanted for her. Yes. Yeah. She probably didn't like it when y'all moved. No. It's, in saying that, it's actually closer. The, the flights are actually cheaper from where we are to where she is than from where we were before. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. So is Biomom in another relationship now? I don't know. I'm pretty happy to say I don't know because it has no impact on my life. Girl, you are the nacho queen today. <laughs> I am so proud of you. I had to learn the hard way. We all did, because think about it. In the very beginning of your relationship, if somebody would have told you about nachoing, you would have been like, that's the craziest mess I've ever heard in my life. Oh, so true. And I was very much in, and because I, because um, Hubby and I had chosen not to have children, I my thought process was like, I'm happy to have kids in my life. I don't, they don't need to be my own. I've got these kids. These kids will be my own. Right. That was my thinking as well. And as we know, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Well, it, it doesn't. There must be some people it works for, but I haven't met them yet. Well, I definitely think that those people are type B personalities <laughs> and that when they meet these children, it is a very, very young age. And, and, and I think that helps. But 
then they they still become teenagers, and the teenage years are hard. Mm-hmm. No matter whether you're a step parent or a bio parent, it's because that's the nature of you need to break away from your parents to actually become an adult. So you have to break that relationship, or have to break that to get your own independence. It's a natural evolution. And I was getting ready to say that, <laughs> and they haven't hit the teenage years. Yes. Now I do think that. There are challenges when the bio mom is, say, deceased Mm -hmm. or the bio dad is deceased. Mm -hmm. But I do think it makes the blend easier in a lot of ways because you're not dealing with that other person constantly dictating your life, for lack of a better word. Yes. However, you're dealing with a ghost and ghosts become become perfect. Yes. Because you're dealing with, with a memory and that memory will always be positive and it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So I think there are definitely challenges if the bio parent is deceased as well. Oh, yeah, there definitely is. They're different. Yes. We had talked to a lady the other day and both their significant others had passed away and we talked about the ghost syndrome and how hard that is. But she said when they see other step family struggles, they're not fighting over who gets the kids for Christmas. They're not fighting over the bio mom or bio dad sent the kid back in clothes that were too small. They're not fighting over who pays for what. So they don't have all that, but they do have that ghost. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's right. There's challenges in every blend, isn't there? There's no perfect yeah. blend. Yeah, and, and when, because when it's we, not natural. It's not normal. We're, we're not made this way. That, that's exactly right. We're not made this way. Although mm-hmm. blended families have probably become the norm. Yes. I don't think our feelings have actually caught up with society. We are still programmed to love our own children and to it's it's our nature. That's human nature is that you look after your own. You look after your genetic material, even if it's as base as that. Mm-hmm. It's quite funny. As I said before, hubby and I have a fur child and she really is the joy of my life, this dog. And sometimes stepdaughter will speak a little bit harshly to her. She's certainly not abuse, <laughs> abusive or anything in the way, but, you know, she'll – and I, my feelings are really hurt when she just tells I her to go, to go away. And I think sometimes, too, if I had have had an owl's child, I would have been – we. I probably wouldn't have had a good relationship with the stepkids as I do now because I would have been a mama bear. I would have been all about my own child and all about – that so I, I get that I just because the fur baby's enough I was the same way the stepkids loved our dog because it actually the dog I feel like brought us all closer together but one of them likes to pick and he'll say want to go for a ride well, you cannot say that to that dog because <laughs> that is her love language is to go for a ride and and he'll say it and not take her <laughs> And it makes me mad. I'm like, you've got to take her for a ride now. And he just thinks it's hilarious. I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> I, I was actually saying to, to hubby that, you know, it hurts my heart when she talks mean to the fur baby and both hubby and stepson went, yeah, it hurts us too. <laughs> I was laughing earlier too because Jackson and our dog's name is Ziva. They pick on each other like brothers and sisters. It's hilarious. If Jackson's bedroom door opens, she runs to her food so he won't get it. (laughs) 
It's not like he he's ever eaten her food, but he acts like he's going to get her food. And she'll start, woo, 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 and raising all kind of cane. And she'll go over there, and you can tell she's not hungry, but she's not going to let him get near that food. And you're right. It is like siblings because it's the game that they have. It's the way that they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. That's that's their relationship. Yes. And when we had the rescue dog, Ziva went into a depression. She would not come around the house. Like we couldn't find her. She'd be upstairs just in the corner. She would try to fetch a ball. This dog does not like fetching, but she had to try to do it because the other dog did. And it was so funny. We're like, we need to write a book about the dogs or write a blog about the dogs, how they have relationships similar to stepkids coming in the picture with the bio kids. It's funny that it applies to so many things in life. We, I work for a government department and we recently, well, it's probably 12 months ago, merged with another government department. And it was just like a blended family. One, <laughs> one, the government department we blended with had actually split with another part. So they put part in with us and part with it. So it was like they had been through the divorce. They'd lost, you know, one parent and then they moved in and we were the bigger department and they moved into us. It was like we took over. So I said it's like the blended family. They feel that, you know, we've moved in with our five kids and we're now running the house the way that we wanted it and they feel like they've gone through a divorce and the trauma and they're now living, their house has been taken over by the new family. Right. Isn't that funny? It is. And so... And then if your bosses went with you, then it's, oh, well, they favor them because they were theirs. That That's exactly right. That's exactly, it's exactly the same situation, just with adults. But the mm-hmm. feel the feelings are the same. Yes. And we expect that we can deal with these changes a lot better than we do. And then you go in step family groups and you're like, oh, I'm struggling because little Susie this. And they're like, oh, my God, that's nothing. Or you get told you're crazy or you're high conflict yourself. And nobody needs to hear that when they're struggling. That was one of my things when I started the Nacho group, the Nacho Kids Facebook group that I understand if you come in and say, I don't like my stepkids because I used to be that person. One of the things I also understand now that I'm coming through the other side is that when things are bad, it's all of those emotions toppled on on top of each other. You're not dealing with one thing at a time. So as you said, when little Susie comes in and does that one tiny thing, which by itself if you had lots of mental headspace to deal with it, would be nothing. Mm-hmm. But when it's that one thing on that big pile of other things, it's the thing that pushes you over the head. And the other thing I learned in the academy from you was about giving things the correct emotional weight. Yes. And But you need headspace and you need time to be able to do that and you need to be able to heal. And that's the other thing I've learned from Nacho is the disengaging part isn't all of Nacho. It's the part that allows you to heal, Mm -hmm. to give you that headspace so you can give things the right emotional weight moving forward and then re-engage if that works for you. Right. The other thing is, the other thing I've learned is relationships are 50-50. If you're putting in more than your 50% into a relationship, you're always going to be resentful because you're you're not getting 50% back. You're getting, Mm -hmm. if you're putting in 60, you're only getting 40 back. So you're always going to be disappointed. 
and the other person is responsible for their 50%. If they don't mm-hmm. give their 50%, then they shouldn't get the more. And it works sometimes when you both give 60%. Right. But, and I think that's the relationship with a stepchild. If you're doing all the giving or they're doing all the giving, you're never going to have a balanced relationship. You need to come to that place where they're in a place that they're comfortable to do their part of the relationship. And I think that's what a lot of bio parents don't understand. They expect the step parent to, you know, love the child like your own, but society never expects the stepchild to love the step parent like they do their parent. And I think that's a real irony. I have a post about that and like the Nacho Kids page and people go crazy about it, but you're the adult. Well... That doesn't mean I have to cater to anybody that's rude to me. But they're children. Yeah. And these children are manipulative, lying little brats that are trying to destroy my marriage. (laughs) It's like, oh, well, let's just dismiss it. They're kids. Yeah, lady, let me tell you, if you were the one sitting here in our situation, you'd be like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. I struggle a lot with the Facebook group. Oh, me too, honey. I used to go there. A, I used to go there a lot because when things were really crazy, I was like, I need to know that someone else. There's someone else who's in a situation more crazy than me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you go there now, and people are just looking for an echo chamber. Yes, not necessarily looking for help. Mm-hmm. And I think that often gets lost. And I think that's why I like that you've got the Nacho Club, and I, I hope that more people join. So it's can become more vibrant and obviously the academy as well because that's where you get the help and the things the tools to actually deal with stuff rather than yes we need to vent but you actually need the tools to be able to fix the things and in my case fix myself right so that I could improve our blend and the other thing I noticed in the Facebook group is everyone expects their partner to change that they need to change they need to do these things mm-hmm. and actually you both need to change. You can't expect someone else to change and you not make any changes yourself. Right. The Nacho Club is $24 a year, but you can see the difference in the post. Yes. And in the responses in the club. Yes. It's like it it weeds out yes. the people that don't really want help. Exactly. And, you know, we really, we had talked about doing that for a while. And then with Facebook doing their, where you can't put, certain words together or you get penalized and you break their community standards and we were getting dinged. So I told David, I said, we need to go ahead and do this because Facebook could shut that group down any day. That's exactly right. But the most important thing is you don't have to worry in the club about the crazy BM or someone taking screenshots and sending it to your significant other or snipping it and right. having it in court. Yes, it has also all the security and that's the part that I really liked as well. I love it myself. <laughs> and it's just such a different environment. Well, Melissa, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. And I am so thankful that you found Nacho Kids and that you took the steps to join the Academy because I know how much it helped you. And it really did. But it also helped my hubby as well. Um, and really, is Nacho is a, is a relationship saver. So my hubby and I have had a re- always had a really strong relationship because we've been lucky that we've been able to pull together when things have got bad. But mm-hmm. it was really helpful for hubby to have 
his thoughts and feelings validated, you know, that David was able to say that, you know, that's how I feel, that's how I felt, that's how other men help Mm -hmm. us feel. Because I think as women, we've got a lot of support. We talk to each other. There's not that same support mechanism for men. And I think if you can do it with your hubby, I highly recommend it, even if he comes along to one or two, but at least, you know, he's either supporting you or he has a proper understanding of what Nacho is. Right. Rather than just, oh, no, you're just, you know, not doing anything for my kids or you hate my kids. And I love it when the couples join and the man is just like, I don't know about this nacho crap. (laughs) And then you start talking to them and ask them what their concerns are. And they tell you and you talk to them about them and they're like, oh, okay. They have that light bulb (laughs) moment too. And they're like, okay, let's give this a try. And then... (laughs) The next Q&A call, they're like, this is working. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And I think I think it helps and maybe it's about the way that men think because they get about compartmentalising things and that's pretty what Nacho is. It's about compartmentalising him with his kids and us doing our thing and so that kind of resonates for men as well, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good for other for men or other couples to see, to hear your and David's story and realise that no matter how bad things are now, you can actually save your relationship. Mm-hmm. And Hubby and I are in a position now where we're kind of like, our, our relationship's bulletproof because we survived all that crazy and come out the other side. Nothing can, yes. nothing can break us up now. Yeah, exactly. You feel so much stronger as a couple. And because you've done the work and you've both actually committed to your marriage and making it work. Right. And that's one thing. If you're not committed to your relationship or just say, if you don't love your significant other, Nacho is not going to change that. Correct. You have to be committed to your relationship and to doing the work of the Nacho Method because just joining the Academy is not going to help you. You have to do the work. Correct. And you did the work, girl. You did the work. And I still have to do the work and because things change, relationships change. And I think the good thing about the Academy is you can go, you can get your help, and you can go back again as you need it because relationships evolve, you have new problems, you get teenagers. Mm-hmm. You can keep going and it's where else can you get one, you know, coaching from the people that invented it who says this is actually, they understand what you're going through. They've got a whole repertoire of, you know, solutions and they go, well, this might work for you. Try this or do this or Mm -hmm. this worked for us and you're the results. And that's, I think that's what we wanted. We could see that it worked for you. And, and like David, my husband's a picker, he's a, he's a stirrer. So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can say, you know what? I think I've realized that I am too. <gasps> Melissa, you are not a button pusher. I am. Oh, my goodness. Because I think it's part, and I hate to say, Laurie, I think that maybe you are too. <gasps> what? You know I'm editing this part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least don't let David do it. <laughs> but because for me, that's a part, the, ba- 
the ban- it's the banter between you and your your partner. It's yeah. It's all that stuff in because most of life isn't all about the romantic Instagram moments. It's about all those little exchanges that you have in between. Mm-hmm. And some of that's the button pushing. You push each other's buttons. But when my husband pushes my buttons, he does it for reaction. And I know that he never he's never saying it to hurt me. He's doing it to get a reaction because that's the fun and the banter. And I think it's very obviously that's how you and David work as well. Yes. But I did notice from last podcast that he he was very aware when not to push buttons. Like when you'd come back and have that horrible day at court, yes. he knew today's, today's not the day for pushing buttons. This is the day that Laurie needs support. Yes. And to me that's that's the difference. It's not button pushing for um, – for the sake of just getting a thing, it's about it's about the banter because he he it's very obvious he never wants to do anything to hurt you. No, he he likes to pick. He does. He he loves to pick, and we have a lot of fun. That you know that's that's one thing I remember when we left Mr. Butler's office that day, and the whole nacho thing hit me, and we laughed when I said nacho kids. That. We had not laughed, and I don't know how long. And David's hilarious. And, of course, I make jokes and say he's funny the first 10 minutes, but then it gets on your nerves. <laughs> he's so much fun, and we were missing that when we were struggling so bad. And by us laughing, it's like that helped bring us back together. It's like a reset button. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's turning your phone on and off again. But I will not admit that I'm a button pusher. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing that resonated for me the most, in, I, I think it was in one of the podcasts or one, one of the classes or something on the academy that you actually, you said that we're in control of our buttons. We, they can push them, but we're, it's up to us whether we react or not. Yes. Because that's what we control is the reaction. And I was like, you are so right. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the more I nachoed, and like you said, it's a continuous thing, but things that used to just send me into a tailspin, I laugh at now. Yes. And for instance, um, we went and did this go-kart riding thing, and my pocketbook got torn up. We talk about that on one of the podcasts. I didn't get mad. I didn't get upset. It didn't ruin my day. And we're riding home, and I'm like, ah, look at me pocketbook got tore up my sunglasses jackson's hat i mean we're talking over a hundred and something dollars worth of stuff yeah that just was trashed i didn't get mad pre-nacho that would have ruined my day one of the things that used to really annoy me with um stepdaughter was and what saying that is probably not her it was probably about hubby is that Mm -hmm. she looked at anything he would want to buy it for her you know whatever her heart desired he would buy it for her and she, when she came to live with us, she had the clothes on her back. And, you know, two years later, she has a massive room full of, she's got more stuff than she knows what to do with. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, because she, she wants something, she gets it. And he wants to be able to spoil her. But I'd be like, oh, she doesn't need that. She doesn't, you know. And then in the end I was <laughs> like, ah, if he buys it, it's not hurting me. Give her whatever she wants. And I went away for work the other week. And she and I had gone out shopping or something. I said, oh, while, while I'm away, well, I'll have a bet with you. See what you can get out of Dad while I'm away. <laughs> and funny enough, when we come back, I was like, oh, how'd you go with our bet? She went, actually, 
I didn't get anything because I didn't need anything. And yeah, we just had a laugh. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, it has been great having you as a guest. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you. And I really appreciate all the work that you and David have done to put out that, you know, the Nacho Method, it really has saved relationships. And the fact that you're so vulnerable to put to put out your story and, you know, to air all the horrible stuff because it's not an Instagram story or a Facebook story <laughs> of all the highlights. It's yeah. all your dirty laundry laid to bed, but that's that's the stuff that helps people. So we really appreciate that. So thank you from the community. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, you have a good day and stay in touch. We'll do. You too. All right. Thank you. One thing I find amazing about her situation was her husband went to court and represented himself without attorneys and was able to get full custody of his kids. That is great. Mm -hmm. I wish more of us felt more confident in representing ourselves in the family court system. Yeah. Too bad we can't do like a class on it. (laughs) How to represent yourself in a family court system. Hey, I bet there is something somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. But you never know. Again, it's up to the judge. Mm -hmm. You may have a judge that is lenient because you're representing yourself, or you may have a judge that says, oh, no, little nacho mama lady. (laughs) You have to address me by saying such and such, such and such first. I'm like, you know. mm." Look, I watch Law and Order. I know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting that he was able to do that and very impressive. And I love the fact that he understands that she will not love his kids like he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David, you're not very talkative today. I was just thinking that, you know, I don't want you to love my kids the way I do. Why? I don't even want their mom to love them <laughs> like I do, you know? Um, I don't know. But okay. Now, a lot of people will say, how dare you? The more people that love your children, the better. Oh, I'm not saying don't love them, but I want my love for them to be different. You know, like I don't want the their grandparents to give them the same type of love I give them or whatever. You know, I want it to be like the love I get from dad is unique. Mm-hmm. I get it. So I don't know how how else to explain it. <laughs> it just, you know, it, it, I mean, why would you want to, to love somebody in a way that somebody else would come along and duplicate? <laughs> Well, that's a way to look at it. Hmm. Got me thinking. Well, I remember somebody one time said, you know, if you marry somebody who's exactly like you, then one of you is unnecessary. So if you've, you know, if you are able to love somebody the exact same way somebody else does, then basically one of you's love is unnecessary. <laughs> no, that's, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right at all. <laughs> Which is why I got divorced. <laughs> There are several reasons you got divorced, but we will not go into yeah, that we won't right mention, now. We won't mention his names. <laughs> You're so silly. We won't mention their names. Mm. All right, folks. That's it for today because I know this is a long one. All right. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we have another amazing podcast episode. Until then, remember that life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.